书上咧呢，最近呢 ，C series 嘅 message， 耶稣就是答案。We will continue with our series, Jesus as the answer。今日咧，你睇嘅经文是啲《哥林多前书》第三章六九十七节。Today we will be looking at First Corinthians chapter three, verses six to seventeen. 建造属灵嘅信魂 ，building spiritual identity. 顶礼拜，咱看第三章一九第五节。Last week we read First Corinthians chapter three, verses one to five. 哥林多嘅教会嘅信徒是一群未多汉嘅囡啊。The Corinthian saints were people who were mere infants. 因为伊嘅光景是属肉体嘅人。Because they were carnal people. 因为伊无将家嘅肉体。And they have not crucified their flesh on the cross. They have kept on drinking milk. And they chose to drink milk. They did not want solid food. And they did not want to exert time and effort to pursue God. And they continue to live lives that are similar to those of the world. And they do not imitate the example of Christ. And they use factions to create this false sense of security. But then, why is it that the Corinthian church is as such? It is because they do not know their own spiritual identities. You know that after we believe in the Lord, it's not only that our lives will change, but our identities will also change. We have become children of God, and it means that we now have a life relationship with our God. And now we are called Christian. Christian one means the little Christ, and Christians in the original text is the little Christ. We have a special relationship. We have a special relationship with our God. And the Lord Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And this is our mission as we live in this world. Each and every identity brings with it a mission. If we forget what our identities are, then we will live our lives haphazardly. First Corinthians chapter. Three verses six to seventeen. Paul reminds us that we have three spiritual identities. You should be able to understand your identity. You have to really understand your identity. If not, we will remain as mere infants. Because we do not have the sense of mission in this world. In Proverbs chapter twenty-nine, verse eighteen. It says that where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. People perish and be mong. People will perish. If people do not have a vision, then they do not have a mission. And if you do not have a mission, then you can do anything in this world. And they will live their lives haphazardly. And the result of living lives haphazardly is perishing. And so, dear church, please do remember that we are a group of people who have a sense. 
sense of mission. And the Lord Jesus has saved us. He did not bring us immediately to heaven. But He has allowed us to stay in this world. Because there is a mission to accomplish. In this Bible verse, allows us to understand that we have three spiritual identities. We are the field that God cultivates. And we are the house that God builds. And we are the temple where God dwells. Each and every identity, there is a mission behind it that you need to accomplish. Let me explain. The field that God cultivates, our mission is to bear fruit. If you look at verse 9, for we are co-workers in God's service, you are God's field. It turns out that we Christians have a, spare, have a very special identity. We are the field of God in this world. And why is it that this is written in the Bible? Why is it that we are called the field of God? Number one, first, because the field needs planting. Verse 6. Paul said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has made has been making it grow. I planted the seed. And pay attention to this. Paul said, I planted the seed. There is a field which is called the wasteland. Nobody has worked on it. In the end, there are weeds that come out. And these are useless things. But then, there's a type of field called the fertile farmland. This is a land that is taken care of by people. And so in the end, it bears beautiful fruits. And the land needs to be farmed by people. But Paul said, I have already planted. In the original text, it is in the past tense. It means something in the past. I have already completed it. I have already sowed the seed on the land. And Paul used one year and six months to preach the gospel in the land of Corinth. And he has already sown the seed of God in the hearts of men. And Paul said that I have planted the seed. If you remember Matthew chapter 13, the Lord spoke about the parable of the seed. The there are four types of seed. Some fell along the path and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky places and when the sun came up, they withered because they had no root. Some fell among thorns which grew up, choked the plants and cannot bear fruit. 
但是我們也要好多人來面,就沒有這個機會來了。And they cannot understand not because the preacher preached a very profound message but it is the opposite it is too simple that people cannot accept it that you have to just believe and you will be saved is there such a simple thing the, the one who is crucified on the cross is our savior then is it possible he has already died and how can he save people people cannot understand this and people cannot accept this and this is the first type of seed and what is the seed that fell on rocky places with little soil they have already accepted it but then after they encounter problems after they encounter troubles they expected that when they believe in the Lord everything will be smooth but then it turns out that after believing in the Lord there are still, there are still troubles and problems and so this Jesus is not so brilliant and so they depart the third type of seed these are the ones that fell among thorns they have already accepted the word and it has already uh, they have already matured because of the worries of this world and because of the deceitfulness of wealth these have choked the plants which allowed them to not bear fruit. And in this world, is there no trouble? Is there no worry? Whether believers or unbelievers, they encounter the same problem. But, why is it that we do not have the faith to entrust this into the hands of our God? But then we thank our God that there, are, there is this fourth type these are the seed that fell on good soil. They have understood the word. They have accepted it. And they continue to sustain and continue to hold on to the word of God. And in the end, they bore fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. May the Lord help us. May we have a pure heart and simple heart to preserve and observe what God has given us. And continue to adhere uh, and hold on to the word of God. And one day, your life will slowly mature. And second, why is it that we are the field of God? The field needs watering. And he already said that Paul has already watered it and Apollos, sorry, Paul planted the seed and Apollos watered it. In the original text, watered is also in the past tense. Paul's work was already done. And Apollos' work was also done. And the work of Apollos is to water the seed. 
so that the, the seed can absorb the water so that this life will slowly mature and in this world if there is no water we will not be able to live animals, people and even plants need water and what is the meaning of this? It means that Apollos went to do the shepherding work. Paul preached the gospel so that these Christians will be born again. But then Apollos had to do one work. He had to make sure that these babies are taken care of by people. And this is the work of shepherding. And shepherding includes two things. And caring. Feeding and caring. Feeding is to feed you. Feeding is to feed you with food. And caring is to take care of your needs. Remember, the Lord Jesus asked Peter three three questions. Do you love me? Yes, yes, yes. The Lord Jesus entrusted to him two types of work. You have to feed my sheep and you have to take care of my sheep. What is the meaning of feeding? And feeding includes preaching the word, Bible exposition, training. So that the lives of people will mature. And what is the work of caring? It is showing care. And it includes our visitation, our counseling, and our prayer. So, and feeding and caring are the two most important works in the church. Secondary, and everything is but secondary. And as we say, keep the main thing the main thing. And so, dear church, if in feeding we are not able to provide for the needs of our brothers and sisters, and on the side of caring we neglect the needs of our brothers and sisters, then the church needs to repent. Because our work is not what God wants us to do. Third, why is it that we are the field of God? Because the end goal of it is for it to grow. Paul said, I planted the seed. Apollos has already watered it. But it is God who makes things grow. It is very amazing. Paul planted the seed. This is in the past tense. Paul has watered the seed and it is also in the past tense. But God has been making it grow is something that is in the present. It continues to happen. The work of God continues to progress. And this is God's work and not man's work. Paul said that it is only God who makes this life grow. And so in verse 7, 
So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. And Paul wanted to emphasize one thing. Only God can allow our lives to bear much fruit. It's not that planting is not important. It's not that watering is not important. If without these two things, it will also not grow. But then the end, the end result is that this life grows and matures and bears fruit. So we are partners of God. You know, whenever you do things, there is one purpose. When you do business, it is for the sake of earning money. And when you study, you want to obtain education and knowledge. And you establish relationships with people in order to build a family. If you do not have this notion, then you should not go into a relationship. And you are wasting your own time and also other people's time. When you do something, you, you have a purpose in mind. And when we plant, we water, it is God who makes this life grow. But then all these works are important. So Paul said, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. We thank our God. We are co-working with God. And every person has his responsibility and work. But then in the end, everyone will be rewarded according to their own labor. And we are the field of God because the field needs to grow. The spiritual life needs to grow. And this is our first mission in Christ. Paul explained it differently in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And this is how Christ, how God wants us to grow. That everyone would mature until they are full of the measure of Christ. And so, dear church, we ought to mature. We should not become mere infants. And God wants to obtain spiritual fruit from us. Let us not be like the parable that the Lord Jesus spoke of. There was a fig tree that did not bear fruit for three years. For three years. And the Lord Jesus cannot tolerate it anymore. And he said that this has to be cut off. And they asked for one thing. Just one day, just one more day. One more year, one more year. One more year, one more year. One more year. One more year. One more year. And may the Lord help us. 
And may it be that we will bear fruit for Christ. If not, then our lives will have to be cut off. And second, the house that God builds. And what's important is that the house will have to go through an inspection in the end. Your life will one day go through the assessment of Christ. Will, do you like it or not? Dear uh, Christians, there are three T's. Temptation. Trial. Test. One is temptation. Temptation. Trial. And test. And everyone will definitely encounter these three T's. Test. Test. It will come directly from God. And in the end, all our lives will go through the testing of God. And I hope that we will withstand the test. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, verse 1 God tests Abraham. Everyone will go through the testing of God. And so in verse 9, for we are co-workers in God's service you are God's field God's building why is it that we are God's building first because the building needs a firm foundation if you look at verse 10 by the grace God has given me I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it but each one should build with care Paul said that I am like a wise builder. And that builder is not a worker. But in the original text, builder means a master builder, an architect. And we are master builders and architects. And all of us know that if we want to construct a building, or whether it be a house or a building, we will hire an architect and we will relate to him what we want to do. And we will let him understand what we desire. So the architect will have to design a blueprint according to our objectives. And the moment that this blueprint is approved, then the architect will construct the structure according to this blueprint. If there will be revisions, it will just be little. But it will have to be approved by the master. And just like how we built this discipleship center, after we bought the land, we asked the architect to come and we allowed him to know that this place we will be building a discipleship center. And everything in, in this place and every space will have to be according to the needs of a discipleship center. And do you know, that, have you done one thing? This place he left a lot of empty spaces. And on, and on the fifth floor, we have a basketball and badminton court. 
it is not for playing. This is a place where we train disciples. And we bring people to this place. And so everything that we do, we ask the architect to design this for us. We have this one purpose. This building is called the discipleship center. So the architect will be doing or drawing according to our objectives. After drawing it, after we approve then he will construct according to this Paul said that you are the house of God and I am the wise builder an architect is not a worker at the construction site, not a boss, not an owner. He is the manager of the design and structure. And so may the Lord help us. You have to understand your identity. It's very important that, said said that I am a wise builder. First thing is that I have already built that firm foundation. In verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. What did Paul say? Paul said that I have already preached the, the word of the, uh, about the cross to the Corinthians. That the church has to be founded upon Christ and crucified. Because Christ is the only foundation of this church. There is no other foundation. Do you know? After we are saved. It is not according to doctrine. It is not because of good works. But we are saved because of Christ and Him crucified. And the founder of Buddhism is Siddhartha Gautama. But Siddhartha Gautama is no longer in this world. But then Buddhism continues to exist. You know why? You know why? It, it is because the foundation of Buddhism is a doctrine of Buddhism. And so when the founder departed from this world, the church, their, uh, their religion continued to exist. And uh, the founder of Islam is Muhammad. He is no longer in this world. But then Islam continues to exist. Because the Quran continues to exist. But then, only Christians are belief. It is not uh, founded upon teachings. Doctrine. A doctrine. Although doctrine is very important. But then our belief is not founded upon doctrine. But rather our belief is founded upon Christ. Christ's birth, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection, and his second coming is the foundation of our belief. And so if the Lord Jesus is not in our midst, then the church will lose its foundation. 
the only foundation of the church is Christ. And so may the Lord help us. As you are in the church, if you have not seen Christ nor have heard of Christ, then you need to depart from this church. Because this church is devoid of foundation. It is man's church. And the second thing, a building needs construction materials. In verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. Here it mentions about two types of materials. Gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, and straw. If you compare it, one is very expensive, one is ignoble. One can last long and one is just temporary. You know, in all construction work, the most dreadful thing is when people skimp on the job and stint on the materials. And this is the most dreadful. They do not use enough materials. And it will, people will die in that place. When we built this discipleship center, we have three basement parking. And then there are six more floors above. And in these nine floors, we need nine, nine levels of foundation. If you do not have enough foundation, then we, when we stay in this place, it is very dreadful. If there will just be a small earthquake, then then 1,000 people would have died. And this is a big problem. And so the foundation is very important. But the material used in the building of this structure is also very important. And this is the body of Christ. And we ought to build a spiritual body. And what material do we use in building? Is it gold, silver, and precious stones? Or is it wood, hay, and straw? And what is the meaning of gold, of gold silver, and precious stones, and wood, hay, and straw? Everything that we build it has to come out from Christ. And if you build the church from things that come from Christ, then this church will be strong and it will be eternal. And so dear church, you have to understand one, one question. Why is it that the church exists? Why is it that CBCP has determined to be a church that trains disciples? What is discipleship? Like the, the most simple explanation is, is one word. Christ-likeness. And it is discipleship. It's for each and every one of us to become more like Christ. And so we need to disciple. So that your lives will be transformed into that of Christ. But then, as a church that disciples people, we really have to understand one thing. Discipleship is very troublesome, very messy. 
Because people are bothersome. The day they love the Lord, but then the next day they are a different kind of person. They love the Lord, and then on another instance, they have already fallen. And we have already seen a lot of instances. They are very devout. But then now, even the shadow you cannot see. And some have already become Buddhists. What happened? And what happened? People are as such. It's a very difficult thing, very messy matter. But then, it is the most precious thing. Theologian John Stott said, he said that the church nowadays expands 3,000 miles but there's only one inch deep. You know what he said? The church today is growing without depth. They are growing, yes, but they do not have the foundation. They do not have depth. And the, the church only has one problem. They are very shallow. Why is it that it's very shallow? Because we are not discipling people. I know that many churches would want things to be lively. But I'm also not against it being festive. So once in a blue moon, we have some celebrations. After five years, we have an anniversary celebration. That's fine. We gave you tikoi. Are you happy? That's for free. Isn't it very uh, festive? But then, if the church would have festivities every week, then this is no longer the church. And we are not against it being festive. But it's not for the sake of uh, being lively that we are lively. May the Lord help us. If you remember the story of Elijah, Elijah was very depressed that time. And he was staying inside the cave. And he did not want to come out. And God was asking him to come out. And when he came out, there was a great and powerful wind. And it uh, shattered the rocks. But the Bible said that the God was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. And the mountains were shaken. But then the Bible says, the Lord was also not in the, in the earthquake. After the earthquake, came a fire and everything was burned up. But the Bible says the Lord was not in the fire. But then after the fire there was a gentle whisper. There was a gentle whisper. And the Bible says that God was there. There was a great wind. There was an earthquake there was a fire. 
These are very lively conditions or circumstances. But then please do remember the Lord was not in those things. And it was in the gentle whisper that the Lord spoke to Elijah. And so may the Lord help us. You have to use good materials in building your spiritual lives. But then the most important we have a foundation we have the materials but then the most important objective is for this building to withstand tests if you look at verses 13 to 15 their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work if what has been built survives the builder will receive a reward if it is burned up the builder will suffer loss but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. Um, all construction work will have to go through some tests in the end. After you go through this examination, and only then can you enter. If you do not go through this inspection, then you are not able to enter into the structure. And in the world, it is as such. After this building is constructed, the government will have to send people to check this place. check the uh, the flooring, the fire exit, and the cement. Now, okay. If everything's fine, for the occupancy permit, then you will be granted this occupancy permit. occupancy permit. And if you do not have the occupancy this permit, building, then this building cannot accommodate people yet. And this place cannot be uh, cannot be used by people. But then we all know because of corruption. The structure may not have satisfied the standards, but then they still obtained the occupancy permit. But then the problem is the people who live inside, it's very dangerous for them. It's not that we are inexperienced. It has happened in Taiwan, in the Philippines, it has happened as well. That when an earthquake came, the whole building crashed. What happened? And what happened? This uh, thing will not pass the test. But then people would have bribed. But then please do remember that you cannot bribe God. And you cannot give God money. And God, will God say it's fine? It, it, it will not happen that way. Our will have to with, or go through tests. The question is, what materials do we use in building our own spiritual lives? The moment that we face our God, then we will have to face the judgment of God, of Christ. And if we are able to pass this judgment seat of Christ, then we will be able to obtain the reward of Christ. But then if we do not go through or withstand the judgment, Paul said that although they are saved, but they are just only one, like one escaping through the flames. And so may the Lord help us. The moment that we face the judgment seat of Christ, uh, do, 
can give. Will our lives be able to withstand this test? And there's one uh, statement. Getting old is inevitable. But it does not equate to growing in maturity. What is the meaning of this? If we grow old, this is something very natural. Is it true? Chinese people say that the more beautiful you become when you grow older it means that you are already old but you're still beautiful it's true it is something that happens some people are 50 years old 60 years old and they are still beautiful but you should not rejoice and according to your age group they will say that you are still beautiful but even when you're old but then for young uh, sisters you should not say that uh, they are beautiful but it is not something that can compete with I do not have any bad intention here but if you talk to people who are 60 plus years old then the wrinkles will come out it is true then it is true then among your age group you are more beautiful that's true and this is the journey of life but then it does not mean that when you grow old you also become a matured person and some people are 50 or 60 years old but their lives continue to become immature and they are still very immature they are still very selfish they take care of themselves may the Lord help us and our lives will have to go through tests just like a house that goes through tests and lastly and lastly we are the temple where God dwells. And our mission is to be set apart as holy. If you look at chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And this is a proclamation. Number one. First. That we are God's temple. And if the Bible does not say this, then we dare not say it either. It says you are God's temple. And what is the meaning of God's temple? It means that God is in you. It means that God is with you. And this is God's temple. Imagine, Imagine that I, as a person, since God's spirit is inside of me, how come? How come? I will speak about the theology of the temple. And what is the theology of the temple? The temple has three, three phases. First is the movable temple. It is a tabernacle built by Moses in the wilderness. And it is very simple. There are three portions. It's the outer court, the holy of holy, uh, sorry, the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place. And so 
Solomon also built a temple according to this pattern. But this is something that's movable. Because they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Wherever the Jews went, the tabernacle was there as well. And so the tabernacle was mobile. And this is the movable temple. And the second temple is it's fixed temple. No longer movable, but now it is fixed. When David became king, he had the desire to build a temple for God. But then God said, No. You have the heart, but then you cannot. You should not build a temple for me. And give this responsibility to your son Solomon. And so Solomon built a very beautiful temple for the Lord. And this is the first temple. In the end, the Jews sinned and offended God. This very beautiful temple. Was destroyed by the Babylonians. And the Jews lost their nation for 70 years. And then after 70 years, there was a person named Zerubbabel. He came back home and then rebuilt the temple of God. And this is the second temple. The second temple is no longer as beautiful as the first because they no longer had money because they lost their nations and were taken captives. And if they are to build a very beautiful church. But when King Herod managed or governed he wanted to win the favor of the Jews. And so he built the second temple. Used 60 years. And it expanded to something bigger than the temple of Solomon. But then 70 AD, Roman general Titus destroyed all these. And so until today, the Jews do not have a temple. But then, there is a third temple, which is what is written in the New Testament. This is the spiritual temple. The Church of Christ, you and I, are the spiritual temple. Because the Holy Spirit is in our midst. You know when, um, the, when King Solomon offered the temple, he said, the heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. And our God is indeed a great God. God was saying that how can this temple contain you? But then God dwells inside the temple. Ah. The great invisible God uses visible ways to express his presence. And so please do remember that the presence of God is the main essence of the temple. Without the temple, without the presence of God, this is not a temple. We can actually build the biggest assembly hall in the church. But if the, if the Lord is not in this church, then this is not a temple. 
It is but a lifeless building. It is a church devoid of the presence of God. May the Lord help us. After we believe in the Lord, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And the question is, what is the position of the Holy Spirit in your life? Is it in the center of your life? Or is it in a corner? It's just on the side. And no wonder our lives are not maturing. Because the Holy Spirit is just put aside. May the Lord help us. And so Paul reminded us once, one, and one time again and again. And he said that you should not quench the moving of the Holy Spirit. You should not grieve the Holy Spirit. And then we will experience that God speaks to us regularly. And why is it? That it is as such, it, the, the most important is that we are set apart as holy. If you look at verse 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Paul gave them a strict warning that if anyone destroys the temple of God, then God will destroy that temple. And what is the meaning of destroying God's temple? Who can destroy God's temple? If you remember in John chapter 2, the Lord went from Galilee to Jerusalem. It was his first visit. When he went to the temple, he was in great anger. Because he saw that inside the temple, there were people doing business in the temple. They were buying and selling. They were buying and selling cattle, sheep, and doves. And there were others sitting at tables exchanging money. And God was in a rage. It was the first time that we see the Lord Jesus very angry. And he drove them all away. And then suddenly, the Lord Jesus said, He said that you destroyed this temple. Wait, wait. They did not destroy the temple of God. They were just doing business in the temple of God. And then after the, after the church day, if people would uh, set up a table outside, money exchange, money exchange. they would say, money exchange, money exchange. If you want to exchange your dollar, did he destroy the temple? Seems not. But that is wrong. But why is it that the Lord Jesus seriously claimed that this, they, they were destroying the temple of God? And here it allows us to understand a very important thing. What is the temple? The 
The temple is a house of prayer for sacrifices and a place to be near God. When the temple loses its purpose, people cannot worship God nor draw near to God. They are destroying God's temple. And the Corinthian church, it was full of envy and factions. Divisions. They were dividing or they were destroying the temple. Because when people come to the church, they cannot worship our God and serve our God and their church. May the Lord help us when we step into this place. Are we building this place or are we destroying this place? The Lord Jesus said that if you destroy the temple of God, then I will destroy you. You know that as I served in this church for 30 years, I have seen some co-workers, they felt like they were building the church of God, the temple of God. But then in reality, they are destroying the church of God. They have destroyed the church of God. But then I have also seen that God's hands were on them. And they have received the punishment of God. And so may the Lord help us. We should not use secular methods to manage the church of God. Because the church is sacred. And, God's, and Paul said that this temple is you. Imagine that we are so precious in the sight of God that we are temple, a temple. means that we have to be set aside as holy. Dear church, you have to understand one thing. Which things we can do and which things we cannot do. What the worldly people think is right is not necessarily right. You have to bring it before the Lord. And can I do this or, can, or should I not do it? You should not do things for your own benefit. And it is only for God's glory and God's church. It is not for my own uh, reason, it is not because of me that I destroyed the temple of God. Paul said that you are the field that God cultivates. And the purpose of the field is to bear fruit. And your life will have to bear fruit. There are many kinds of fruits. It is the fruit of the gospel or the fruit of the lips which is praise or the spiritual fruits. Your, your life has to bear fruit. And we are also the house that God builds. And this house will have to withstand the test. The moment that we face the judgment seat of Christ, may the Lord bless us that we will be like gold that goes through the fire. Fine gold or refined uh, or pure gold. And we are the temple where God dwells. And the temple has to be holy and be set aside. Because um, the main essence of the temple of God is God being with us. And these are our spiritual identities. And each and every identity brings with it a mission. 
May the Lord bless you. That you can become a, a person or a Christian with a mission. Let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you that um, you have allowed us to understand our spiritual identities. Amen. We are a field um, that you cultivate. We thank you for allowing us to grow, sending people to water us, to plant us, and indeed, it is you who makes us grow. May it be that in the end, we will really be able to bear fruit, fruit that will last and fruit that will be pleasing in your eyes. And may it be that you allow us to also withstand the test the moment that we face the judgment seat of Christ. May it be that we will be building our spiritual lives with gold, silver, and precious stones, not with wood, hay, and straw and may it be that you also allow us to see that we are also a spiritual temple and that we have to be set aside to be holy because you dwell inside of us that our great God who is holy is inside of us may it be that you continue to keep these words inside of our hearts as we apply it in our lives these we pray in Jesus name Amen